and welcome to the Adaptive Executive Podcast, where we meet with senior executives and discuss how to keep yourself and your organization adaptive and your employees engaged. My name is Greg Ballard, founder and owner of 5C Consultant, and I am your host. If you'd like to be considered as a guest for this podcast, you can apply on our website at 5C.Consulting. Look for the word podcast. For now, let's dive into the show. Hello, this is Greg Ballard, your host with the Adaptive Executive, and I have a very special guest with me, uh, Courtney Williams. Courtney is the Chief Operating Officer at Qualsites. She is a lifelong leader, uh, learner, business leader, expert communicator, and an advocate for a thoughtful automation, empowering people to spend time on what matters. Uh, Courtney, so glad to have you here on the show. Greg, thank you. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. So can you tell us... um, Tell us a little bit about yourself and what, what brought you into your role today. What brought you into your role at Call Sites? Well, um, quite frankly, I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before, Greg, but COVID brought me into my role. Um, I was going down a business path that uh, was very much planned, very much put together and well thought out. And uh, then COVID happened and everything changed overnight. And so uh, the former organization I was with had to contract very, very significantly and um, I was in the middle of trying to find a new opportunity. And I was speaking to a couple of organizations that had significant promise, uh, very excited about it. And then I met Nahal, who is our CEO at CallSites. He was referred to me by somebody that I worked with as a former colleague about 10 years before. And he said, he said, I promise you that if you will just meet this gentleman, that you may change your mind about the rest of your career. And of course, like I'm a very conservative person who's just super planner. Like I don't like to get um, outside the lines all that often and so forth. And I, so I, I, I laughed at him and then he made a bet with me and I've been losing it ever since. So <laughs> essentially I'm, I, I met Nahal and we started talking about, call science and his vision for the organization and where he was taking things and what was happening. And I quite frankly went uh, to my husband after that conversation and said, you know, I think I want to take a risk for the first time in my career and just do something that um, maybe doesn't make sense, but might make for an amazing story. And uh, the fun part about that, Greg, is that it has both made a lot of sense and Mm. makes for a great story. Love it. Love it. So so tell me about your role as a chief operating officer at Qualsite. So if you can give us a little size um, to kind of calibrate for our listeners, you know, uh, where are you guys in revenue? What's your headcount? Um, how are you guys organized, dispersed? You know, that would be super helpful. Yeah, um, we are a very international organization. We uh, span five different countries today. Um, we are knocking on 80 people here that make Qualsite happen. Um, that is a significant trajectory of growth that has occurred uh, from my time starting again. I, I mentioned during mm-hmm. COVID that it was, you know, early summer of 2020. Uh, we had less than 30 people then, so it has been quite a bit of growth coming I mean, coming across. This. And our revenue is more than doubled many, many, many times <laughs> from that point to this one. Uh, we are a privately held company, and I don't know if I'm able to really share what our annual revenue is in the public forum, so I'm going to you know, not do that. Gotcha. But uh, okay. I, I can tell you that it is always, always very pleasantly surprising. Um, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, absolutely. Um, 
So one of the things we wanted to get into, um, Courtney, is I'd love to hear something maybe unique about you that maybe the folks at work don't know or our listeners, you know, might be able to connect with and relate to. And then um, I'd love to understand how you also stay adaptive, which as we like to define it as ag staying agile and staying resilient. So there's two questions baked in there. You could pick one, pick up whichever one you like first. Sure, sure. Um, you know, one of the things that we do when we bring on new people at our organization and ask them to tell us a fun fact about them. So I have a few just kind of in the background that I always pull out for conversations like this. Um, my favorite one is that once upon a time I was a professional angler and for your audience, that means bass fisherman. Um, I actually did fish the Bassmaster Tour for women. Uh, at one wow. point in time. And then I, I had to grow up and, you know, make a career. So um, yeah, really, really love the outdoors, as you might guess, is uh, definitely something about me. If I don't, if I don't have to be seated, and I don't have to be inside, I'm not. So that's why I'm standing here talking to you today. I just, uh, I really like to stay very, very active. Love it. Love it. So you're probably the first professional angler I've met. Um, <laughs> We used to watch that. My dad watched that when I was growing up. That was somehow interesting TV to him. Um, but, you know, it's and I've done some fishing in my day. So it's it's a nice little sport and and bass. They're good to eat. That's that's what I would say. They're good yeah. To eat. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Fantastic. And, it's a, you know, it's a it's a it's a pursuit. It's something that you pursue that you never get great at. You know, it's easy to learn. It's really hard to be perfect. So those kinds of sports are the things that I tend to really enjoy right easy to pick up kind of like impossible kind of like being an effective leader in an organization it's something you pursue and you'll never master but you can always get a little better at yep absolutely and then to your other question about you know being agile and being resilient um the best story i can give you there greg is that um you know my husband and i moved to louisiana several years ago for for business and uh, we lived there through a four-year period and experienced, uh, I think, six hurricanes, uh, one of which required us to completely rebuild our home. Um, and that is why you will now find me west of Austin in the Texas Hill country, because I will not have any more hurricanes in my life. Thank you very much. Wow. Six hurricanes. Now, but you didn't move to Tornado Alley, did you? Or is that a bit No. <laughs> No, no, I, but I grew up in this area, so I at least do know what to expect, but now I'm a little okay. bit like south of, of Okay, gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Fantastic. Um, so what are some things that you do maybe on a personal day-to-day -day level that keeps, that helps you to stay adaptive, um, you know, with your work, with your family at home, like anything you do want to share with, uh, share with us and our listeners? Yeah. Um, Never, ever, ever take yourself too seriously, I think is the very first piece of advice I would give. Like, as soon as you start doing that, everything else mm. gets harder. So you just you just need to let that go. Um, and if you start worrying about um, what other people are going to think too much, you're also taking yourself too seriously at that point in time because people are not going to think too much about you at all, I, I assure you. Um, it's like, I don't know if you've ever experienced this, but when you're trying to lose weight, or you're trying to make some kind of major change to yourself, you know, every single day you feel like it's just right there in front of you and it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, right? Like if you decided, even for example, that you're going to buy a particular type of car, all, mm -hmm. all of a sudden you're going to see every single of that type of car in the road. It's just what we do as humans. 
right? And so my, my, my advice is let it go. Everybody else is focused on their own car or their own weight or their own whatever it is. And you just need to learn how to be you and be comfortable with that. And then so, um, be very, very well, comfortable. I want to stay, stay with that for just a second. Um, do you have any stories that you could share, like an example of when you had to maybe not take yourself so seriously? Yeah, um, <laughs> most definitely. Um, I mean, COVID does come to mind, right? Like I lost Okay. my job. I, Yeah. I was downsized. I Right. do not know how to feel about that in that moment, right? And you realize that, you know, in the grand scheme of everything else, your career, your great plans, your trajectory, your everything you poured into it, all of your education and all of the things that you've done to check every box and so forth, it doesn't really amount to very much when the whole world around you changes. And so if you just check that, if you just take a moment and recognize that some things are left to chance and all you can really control is how you behave. Right. Mm And hmm so it's in, it's in those high stress moments that you have the opportunity to learn the most that you can about yourself. And that, that is what I would say is I, you know, you take that, that check, that moment of great stress, great pressure. And you say, Ooh, you know, I'm just thinking about myself too much here. There's a whole world around me. I need to, I need to, I need to take care of everything else, not just my career. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, That would be yeah, my I like that. number one example. I can try to think of another one if you'd like, but No, no, no. I just, I wanted to, I could tell that you had some moments where you had to step back and, you know, like, look, look, uh, I've said this many times, I take my work seriously, but I don't take myself very seriously. And, and I think that's essentially the message you're saying too. We, you have to be able to look and say, you know what, maybe you, you've got, you, you know, look in the mirror, right. And ask yourself, Where do I need to lighten up a little bit? Where do I need to step back and reframe and, and shift my perspective? Um, COVID is a serious thing. It's been a very serious thing. It's disrupted the, everyone on the globe for two years. And we're now, we're now dealing with the post-COVID, right? And finding new norms. And you're one of many people, and I don't know which industry you're in, um, but there was just a reality. It had nothing to do with your performance. had nothing to do with where you were heading. but you had to make a pivot. You had to adapt. You had to adapt. And so that's absolutely relevant to And what we're quickly. talking about today. And quickly, and quickly, yeah. Um, but it looks like it's paid out for you, right? It seems like the role you're in, you seem to be really enjoying the role. You're, in, you know, you're doing something maybe you weren't thinking of doing before. Were you, were you an operational off, operating officer in before, just in a different industry? I've been in business management in one capacity or another for 15 plus years at this time. And I've stayed in the same industry as well. Um, but I have, uh, I have t taken a lot of different roles because the opportunities came my way. I have learned um, that despite what people oftentimes tell you about uh, saying no a whole lot, most of the best opportunities in my career came when I decided to say yes instead. Uh, and this was one of them. Definitely. Yeah. So I know I, okay, fantastic. I know I interrupted you. You're going to go on to another point of how you stay adaptive. Um, and so I want to kind of reframe, like bring that back up. So what are some other things that you do to stay adaptive? Um, I work hard never to worry about who gets credit. I think that that's very important. 
Um, and always stay grateful for the opportunity. Never think that you actually deserve any of this. You don't. Mm. None of it do. The truth is that we can um, get up every day, work very, very hard, and fail miserably. And if you can let that go, and you can just decide to do what is going to make you feel good about yourself, what's going to make you feel good about the way you treat others, and is going to result in the opportunity to win together in some way, you're, you're going to be fine. Even if you fail miserably, you're going to be fine because you have a, a, a basis, if you will, a foundation of respect and admiration that you are fostering in yourself and others where you can handle the situations that really sink when they come along. Yeah. So if I could, in, in, in another way of saying what I think I'm hearing you say is, you know, get up every day, put it all on the table and um, don't worry about the outcome. You know, we talked, we talk about in a detached engagement. So uh, where you, you're fully present, you're doing all the, you're, you're doing the effort, right? You're doing the work thoughtfully. However, you're not emotionally tied to the outcome. And so if the outcome isn't exactly what you want, it doesn't turn into this devastation psychologically or emotionally where it derails you. It just is mm. what it is. And so, mm. I mean, that's what came up as I'm listening to you uh, and you can, you can affirm whether that kind of captures it or, or rephrase it, but putting it all on the table and not worrying about what the outcome is, is what I'm hearing well, you say. In a way, yes. But Greg, I believe that if you do put it all on the table, most of the time, the outcome will take care of itself. It's like preparing for having this conversation with you. One of the things I started thinking about is all these ways that our business has been recognized for achieving things and succeeding in things and so forth, which we have done. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing is, I don't need to memorize that bullet point of, of, of a list of items because it takes care of itself. We get up every day, we work hard, we do the best that we can for our clients, our own people, our vendor partners, everywhere along the chain, and we collectively are winning because we're doing the best that we can. We're not worried about who's going to win what or, or what kind of um, competitive advantage that's going to give us and so forth, which it does do, but it takes care of itself because we're getting up and putting it up all on the table every day. That's it right there. So you get up, everybody plays all out and the outcomes, like I think, like you said, take care of themselves. Mm -hmm. So uh, Courtney, I'd love to hear a little bit about um, qual sites and the, the work you guys are doing, how you're adding value in the market. Can you share with us a little bit about this, your company and uh, the technology that's there? Yeah, absolutely. We're a software, essentially. We're an insights platform. So we're in the market research space. And we help organizations um, understand more deep, authentic insights of the people who purchase their products. And so um, long, long story short, when you do research, when you do market research, and you're trying to understand what people think, want, do, buy, et cetera, um, you need to be working with a partner who is able to do so cost-effectively, um, authentically, and give you the actual observations that are necessary for you to make well-informed business decisions and that's what we do i love it um quick anecdote i'm going to share with everybody so i don't know if you track this or not but i i was recently told and i don't know if this is even true or not but one of the key economic indicators for a good economy is the uh purchase of men's underwear so apparently some some pretty serious folks pay attention to that 
that number, and that's one of the ways they gauge the economy. <laughs> Does not surprise me a bit. Yeah, <laughs> there are trillions of data points out there that are supposed to be leading indicators of this or yeah. that. And, and, and yeah, and who knows? Somebody could have made that one up. But the re the, the 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 thought premise is is dudes are just not going to buy new stuff if they have to pinch a penny. And so if that number is going up, they must have money to spare. And if it's going down, they must be saving. <laughs> Prioritizing other purchases, right? Yes. <laughs> I guess so, so so if we really so guys, listeners, if you want to go and like mess things up, just go buy a bunch of underwear, regardless of how much money you have, and it'll just start throwing a monkey wrench in in somebody's <laughs> assessment. Um anyway. So <clears throat> love the work you guys are doing. Um, really what I'd love to do is chat with you about how you um, and, and qual sites are, are building an adaptive organization. You know, how, are there any, is there anything you guys are doing with your teams, with your people to stay relevant and adaptive to the market? Yeah, yes, I hope so. <laughs> Every day uh, we're working to empower our team. We work to make absolutely certain that everybody at our organization knows how to do what we're doing. Um, we make it easy to communicate. We use various different tools so that um, we're able to stay on top of all of the things that happen at our business in order for the work to be done, right? And there's a logical flows and we're constantly looking at what are the different items that need to be um, iterated upon, right? Like just because you design a process that worked really well a couple of years ago, doesn't mean that that process is working really great today when you have three X, the number of people and different departments mm -hmm. and so forth. Um, and, and different hands in the same project. So we have to be very thoughtful about ensuring that our folks can communicate with each other. And so that's probably number one is the communication. Uh, another thing is that we focus very intensely on um, our belief that talent shouldn't have a zip code. So I, long story short, have been remote for 13 of the last 15 years of my career. And there was a time in my career, I don't know about you, but I started a long, long time ago, where remote work was just simply not a possibility. And I can remember many, many years ago, essentially being told that I could choose between, you know, going to a new city or, you know, staying with my husband because he was in this other city doing this job here. And that's not the kind of choice that I ever want to put anybody through again. Mm -hmm. So I spent a great part of my career um, and, our, and our organization has a very deep focus on ensuring that we don't have a geographical requirement for where we do our business, because at the end of the day, it's not physical. What we do is enabled through software, it's enabled through ones and zeros and computers and so forth. And so there's no actual reason that anybody needs to be in a physical office. And so we, we, we work to enable that. I think that it makes us very adaptive because it doesn't matter if I have a team that's in one part of the world and there's a challenge or they're sleeping, right? Somebody somewhere else can do the thing and take care of it and then be back um, and available to them the next day when they're back online. And so we're very, mm -hmm. we're very thoughtful about how we rely upon each other at our organization so that everything is delivered in a way that is the, the very best possible outcome for our clients. Um, another well, thing that I would say about just being a very adaptive organization is respect up and down the line. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I, I learned many, many years ago in the home building industry is that the very best way to find out how good a builder is, is to ask his trades. Ask the people that he has painting the house or pouring the concrete or doing the roofing, how he treats them. And I have carried that throughout my career as well. We treat our vendor partners with the same dignity and respect that we hope 
that our clients will do, and we hope that we will that that our, that our participants will give us because without all of these different parties, nobody wins. So I, I would say that that respect and that openness and the communication, all of these things make for a really beautiful package of adaptability. Yeah, and I, I love the fact that you um, you subscribe to what we call stakeholder value, right? It's it's making sure that every group, um, whether it's from the C-suite to your management team, to your, your team members, to your vendors, your clients, that they all come away with a, with a positive exchange, right? So you're not trying to um, maybe take advantage of one group to benefit another, but mm -hmm. really bringing, you know, a win-win to each group. And yeah. so I think that's, that's very commendable. Um, I'm, I'm Greg, I will say I'm a pretty firm believer that there's almost no such thing as a zero-sum game in business. The ultimate we win. Yeah. We can win together. No problem. I love that. Um, is there anything in particular, so you have your 80 plus, coming up on 80 people now, you're probably going to continue growing. You said you're in five different countries. Mm -hmm. um, is there any cultural... I don't know if it's a value system or cultural points that you are really building out um, to, to maintain, you know, the cohesiveness around the organization. And uh, I've worked with some other distributed teams and, and there's certain practices that they take to maintain the human connections. And so I'm kind of curious from a cultural perspective, as well as like, you know, a practical, like, or is there anything you guys are doing to build those human connections? Yes. Um, this is something that we obsess about internally. Um, and, and, and a lot of companies will speak from the perspective of preserving your culture. But I believe that when you are rapidly growing, you are rapidly evolving your culture. Um, and so I would recommend to any of your listeners out there, if you're, if you're really focused on keeping the status quo while you grow, 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 take a step back and think about what that might mean for the new people who don't necessarily have the opportunity to participate in that because they're supposed mm -hmm. to just fit in. So we, we, we consistently um, focus on evolving our culture and having every new individual be part of an organization that they're able to influence in some way, right? By bringing mm -hmm. their new fresh perspective, by giving feedback on the onboarding process that they just went through and helping us get better at that every single time, right? Um, because once again, just because you build a process a couple of years ago, doesn't mean you can set it and forget it forever. You have to go back mm -hmm. and revisit it and re, um, just improve so that you're able to consistently scale. Um, we always, um, lead here at this company with curiosity. Um, I believe that curiosity is the basis for respect. And so even if you think, you know, you probably don't. Um, it's likely that someone else has a perspective you haven't thought of yet, even if yeah. you've been doing it for 35 years, whatever that looks like, stay open-minded and make sure that you lead with that. Um, we also focus a great deal on um, compassion and empathy, right? If you can, uh, I think one, one of my coworkers has a, a beautiful um, signature that says, if you can be anything, be kind. There's no reason not to be. And at the end of the day, how we treat each other is how we're all going to remember and what we are all going to remember, excuse me. 
And we may be working very hard and very busy and building a company and focused on dollar signs and everything else, but it's also a very human experience that we're going through together. We might as well do our best to enjoy it. And so we have all kinds of touch points along the way to help ensure that that occurs. Um, things like irregular meetings without being too overbearing in meetings, which is really tough in the Zoom world that we live in remotely, right? Having enough opportunities to speak to each other without dragging people down with relentless meetings. Um, being efficient with our time, but also making space to have fun, right? Mm -hmm. Sometimes we get together and the entire purpose is just to play a scavenger hunt of some kind that nobody knew was going to happen. Like that we do as a company. It's very worth it because you get to know people's personalities when you just spend some time with them having fun. Also, Greg, um, once a year, at least, we try to bring everybody together in person. Now, during COVID, that obviously wasn't possible, um, right. but we're actually in the middle of planning our, our, uh, our annual summit where we'll bring everybody together in two different physical locations, depending on where they live is where they'll go and spend several days together in person in various different workshops and just spending some time working together in that environment. And so between that, between that and the openness of asynchronous and synchronous communication and uh, regular team conversations and just allowing people to be themselves uh, is very, very helpful. That's, I think, I really just loved how you outlined all the different things that you're doing there. Um, one of the things that we've seen and a lot of remote and distributed organizations are struggling to figure out, you know, what to, how they can bring people back together, right? Um, whether it's yeah. in person or even through asynchronous and synchronous communication. And so uh, I really love the, the ideas and the things that you're doing like tactically uh, to to accomplish that because it's I think it's very very challenging when you're off in your own space and you're part of a larger organization but you 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 know you don't know what they're doing you you're not connecting with them at a human level and and maybe you're managing communications through Slack or Teams and so you're seeing notes right you're seeing content created uh, but you're not really connecting with the person behind that content and so um, mm -hmm. I think. I think, because when you do connect with the person behind the content, it actually brings another lens to the content. Um, and you can understand where they're coming from. Uh, and so, and if, you know, for me, I tend to summarize a lot rather than, or I'll over explain in some communications. <laughs> and so if I just send that to somebody who doesn't know who I am or where I'm coming from, uh, their interpretation is going to be very different than someone who I, met with or had a conversation with and and we've kind of shared some of the, my maybe my philosophy they're going to interpret it differently so uh bravo commend you guys on what you're doing the other thing is you mentioned two words that um that really stuck out to me because you know my company is 5c consulting and one of the first uh 5c lists that i created was the five mindsets for organizational growth and uh curiosity compassion are two of those, and then there's courage, conviction, and creativity. Um, and so you guys are like, I just, I kind of chuckled to myself as you're, you know, you're saying like, yeah, we're very curious. We lead with curiosity. To me, that is a reflection of intellectual humility, intellectual and cultural humil humility, recognizing, mm -hmm. yeah, you may be super smart. You may be really well read. Uh, you may have done this a few times, um, but that doesn't mean you know everything. And 
you know, you can come from a great company doing great things and be super confident. Uh, but that doesn't mean that you, we really need to shut other things down because that's going to limit the creativity. So getting curious, having intellectual humility, I think those are really, really big deals. I fundamentally agree. Um, and also mm, checking our judgment, perhaps. Checking right? Yes, that's a good lever to manage. Um, you know, Courtney, before we wrap up, I, I wanted to um, just explore a little bit on, you know, any thoughts you have for those that are kind of, that are, uh, for those people that are out there that maybe had to make a huge pivot um, or maybe, you know, hesitating to make a pivot. Uh, you've made a major change in your, you know, in your life and the way you do things and the work you're doing. And, and it looks like it's paid off for you. Um, it is paying off for you. You know, what would you, might you want to say to somebody who is looking at a decision like that? Oh, breathe. <laughs> first things first, just take a deep breath. Um, I would suggest making lists of pros and cons and all that stuff to get yourself comfortable with the idea. Um, but I would also remind you that you only get to do this thing once. And I'm talking about life, right? At some point, you're going to look back and say, ooh, should I have done that? Could I have done it? What if I had done that, right? So what I like to suggest that people do is consider looking at themselves in the mirror in five or 10 years and ask yourself, what are you going to be proud of saying I did? And then do that now because you're not going to get another chance, right? If you're going to pivot, if you think you're going to do it, get prepared 100%. Don't just jump off the, 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 the high board without making sure there's water in the pool, right? But do it. Find a way to do it. Get a support uh, structure in place. Friends, family, whoever it is that's in your court, on your team, part of your tribe, whatever that looks like, get them enlisted in what you're doing. Make sure that you listen, that you check your ego, Right. Um, try not to, as we say here in the South, put the bit in your mouth and just run through it. Be thoughtful, take feedback. Um, and then at the end of the day, be patient with yourself because a fairy tale doesn't feel like a fairy tale while you're living through it. Usually it's really hard and painful mm. and fraught with all of these potential pitfalls. But most of the time when you look back, you realize you did live through one in some form or another. So be patient. And look I love it. I love it. Uh, Courtney Williams, Chief Operating Officer at Qual Sites. If uh, anyone wanted to follow up on you or connect with you, how should they do that? Um, I am <laughs> not on Twitter. I love saying that out loud. Apologies. For all <laughs> Me either. Are. Me I either. I, I appreciate you. Uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn. I do keep that uh, as a, um, a profile. My handle is cwilliams233. You're welcome to reach out to me there. All right. And we'll put that in the show notes. Thank right. you. Courtney, thank you so much for joining us here on the Adaptive Executive and for the work you're doing. Um, thank you so much. Make the world a better place. And Greg, thank you for having me. I do very much appreciate it. Take care. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for joining us on the Adaptive Executive Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show. You can follow us on LinkedIn and by subscribing to our mailing list. Again, my name is Greg Ballard, and thank you for listening.